0: Philippians uh, chapter 4, uh, he would talk about um, a list of these uh, what we would call virtuous things. Um, what things that are true, things that are dignified, things that are righteous, things that are pure, uh, what things are lovely, what things are well spoken of, if any virtue, of any praise take account of these things that means ponder reflect on them think about them really think about them dear brothers and sisters i this is why i say we are cheated by our devices to have no time to think forget about thinking about the good things no time to think we are just bombarded 24-7 by things that we don't want whether it is some advertisement to sell you some shoes or it is uh, the latest happening somewhere that has have no concern to you but these things are just bombarding us non-stop and so they cause us to think about them to react to them to to uh, to engage them and by that time we become a preoccupied person and leaving no room nor energy for us to think about the right things when we should be things about think about things above am i right think about the things that are above where christ is where our life is hidden with god in uh, with christ in god We should be thinking of those things. And in Romans chapter 8, it says that we should mind the things of the spirit. We should uh, mind the things of the spirit. There are a lot of things related to this wonderful spirit of the triune God that we can mind. Mind means put your mind to it. Think about them, Use your mind. This tonight I would like to say don't just use your spirit use your mind to think about these things think about Christ how about so many things related to this Christ Okay, so on and on and then Paul would then say after he said that he said the things which you have also learned and received and heard and seen in me surely it would include the list I just read Practice these things. Practice these things. Don't just think about them. Practice them. I would like to say this weekend, with these outlines, with all this speaking, brothers and sisters, I'm sure to some degree you have been stirred up to consider them. I hope so. Right? Even these few days. But don't stop in just thinking about them. Go back. And start practicing them because if you only think that's good you consider that's good but it is still not quite yours until you do them until you practice them practice these things and the God of peace will be with you and I think that somewhere in Timothy Paul charged uh, Timothy uh, and others to practice these things. Am I right? Where, where, where is that? I think that it should be in chapter 1 of Timothy somewhere. Uh, where, where is it? Where is it? Okay. This is in First Timothy chapter 4 to his younger co-worker. Uh, in verse, fift, uh, verse 15, these are some practical um, uh, instructions that God gave to Timothy. Uh, Paul gave to Timothy 15 practice these things and what? Be in them. Be in them. That means immerse yourself in them. Don't just kind of touch it. Don't just kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, just just uh, superficially um, uh, know these things, but immerse yourself in them that your progress, 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 a progress may be manifest to all. In other words, if there is to be some change in our lives, it comes through practice. It has to come through practice. So this weekend, I like to exalt practice. Too often, even in the recovery, we go to the conferences, we hear the things, we say amen, we agree with everything that is said. Then we go home and we just shelved or filed away whatever outlines and notes. We have stacks of them. But we fail to practice them. And so after a while, they leave us. You even forgot what you heard because it is not yours. I rather that we have fewer conferences and fewer notes but more practices on what we have received So, this is Paul, and with John, if you go to 1 John, this word practice um, occurs a lot. It talks about practicing sin. Not not very good, but it's a kind of practice. And it talks about practicing righteousness. Righteousness. And so, uh, I'm, I'm here trying to look for some verse. I didn't really prepare this. Um, you know, uh, here you have uh, in chapter 2, um, it says, uh, if you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness. So, righteousness is what? Is practicable. It, it, it's practicable. Um, in fact righteousness is for practice so that practice the meaning of it is not it means it is not something that you do occasionally and accidentally that's not practice you just occasionally just do something that's a hobby that's that's not a practice Practice, listen, is something that you do, one, habitually. That means again and again and again, regularly, habitually. And number two, intentionally. I like this. With intentionality. This is a kind of a popular word these days. In our common daily living. So righteousness is doesn't come subjective righteousness or a righteous expression or righteous living doesn't come by you just thinking about it or hear a message about it it comes from you practicing it you practice then you fail you forgot about it you know what I mean but you get up you know you dust yourself off you practice again you don't give up. I talk about the gym, I talk about exercise. All those things, the main thing is you don't do it once in the blue moon. All right? You will not get fit if you swim every six months. Okay? It doesn't work that way. You can float around and have a good time, but you will not get fit from swimming every six months. You have to swim at least once a week or twice a week or whatever exercise you do, regularly, habitually, intentionally, that means you don't like it, you like it, you do it. There's an intention to build up something to become part of you. So I submit that today for us in the recovery, our shortage is not knowledge. Our lack is not revelation. Our, our um, um, what we are missing is not uh, hearing more messages like this. I mean, nothing wrong with messages. We need to give messages. But there comes a point that now we are actually all habitual message listeners. Am I right? We build up a habit to listen to the message. We are you know, I don't know, nobody sits like us in the Lord's recovery, you know. Our bottom is is high, you know. All our bottoms are just, I don't know what. But anyway, we, we no one can sit like us for so long and still be okay, you know. Uh, we are the most sedentary of all Christians or something, you know. We just sit and sit and listen. Well, it that has its place. But... I would like to say, I would challenge you, and even all the churches, these days, let us pay attention to practice. Uh, We even have a song, right? uh, uh, Let's keep practicing, what? The application. Let's keep practicing the application. What? Just the sun, what? What? him today. See, so so you say, I like to take Christ as my person. Oh, that is such a wonderful thought. It is so excellent, so marvelous that I can live by Christ as my person. Well, that's great. And you even pray, Lord, help me to live by you as a person. I really want to I consecrate myself to live by you as my person. Doesn't work. Well, I shouldn't say it doesn't work. It can only work so much. Now, after you make that prayer, you get up, now go practice. I trust in that practice than in your prayer. Or in your hope or wish. This is a very big point tonight that I'm making. We need a breakthrough in the Lord's recovery. We need a new breakthrough. That breakthrough would not come just by listening that breakthrough will come very likely by our what? Persistent practice. And with all practice you have to what? Start small. You know? Take baby steps. Don't set, you know, these high and lofty goals that uh, you cannot achieve and you get disappointed. But nevertheless, start. Start. So, A godly living comes from practice don't think you know as someone said you 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 are genetically disposed to live Christ none of us are okay we may be made in God's image in many ways we've been um, uh, created in a way we're created to express God to live Christ but it's not you're not born to live Christ, and this brother is born not to live Christ, no such thing. It all depends on practice. Why does this saint grow so quickly and live Christ and, you know, uh, mature spiritually, whereas this brother doesn't? It's not the genes. It's somewhere along the line, there's a practice going on. And here it is every six months, you know. You know what I mean. It's hardly a practice. That is something unintentional, that means accidental, and something non-habitual, that means very, very infrequent. Now, praise the Lord for our daily life. We have 365 days a year. That's a lot of days. We have 24 hours a day. That's a lot of hours, right? Right? We have seven days a week. That is seven days. Dear saints, we have a whole life every day to practice these things. Every, you know, even now you're sitting there, you should be practicing. I'm standing here, I should be practicing. Every time you're with your spouse, it's a great time to practice. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Life is full of what? Opportunities. Right? Let us practice these uh, applications. So this is our real need. This is our real need. Okay? Now, when each one of us practice something, that something in time will become habit. Habit. When habit is formed, you don't think; you just do it. You think, really? I can really. There will be a time I would really live Christ spontaneously. I like to tell you, yes, yes. It's possible. In in fact, it has happened. With many saints, dear saints, some have passed on. Some are here with us. I know, you know, when you start to exercise, you, you always think it's no good, it doesn't happen, you know, why waste time? And so you, you, you're ready, to, you, you, you convince yourself not to even start But I like to say, saints, start. You've got your whole life ahead of you to become a practiced Christ-liver, a practiced Christian. Now, collectively, when we acquire a habit, that is more than a habit. That becomes custom. When a group of people all practice the same thing, It becomes a custom. So really speaking, what is the church life? The church life is a place where we have a custom. What custom? The custom of exercising our spirit. Am I right? A custom of experiencing this mingled spirit. A custom of walking in the spirit living by the spirit setting our mind on the spirit every day and every moment and and it is possible it is possible but it will take time it will take months it may take years for us to become better and better at it but it is possible i say again if it's impossible it won't be in the bible I want to impart faith into you. All right. Now, I'd like to say one more thing, then I'll get to this. (laughs) Tonight, we need 10 minutes to speak something, uh, some particular burden, at the end, at least. Okay. And is this talking about practice. Actually, we are all very practiced in something. Because our whole life we've been doing it. Even after we become a Christian, we keep doing it. You know what it is? I'm talking about daily living, right? Daily life. And that is to live in our soul. Now talk about habit. We all acquire that habit by a lot of practice, since we were born. So today, for us to live in the soul, what is to live in our soul? Basically, it's just to live in ourselves. In our natural man, okay, in our mind, our mind, right, our soul, in our emotions, you know, in our emotions, in our will, you know, all these are faculties that we are born with, um, and so, since birth and growing up, we 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 live every day in our soul. Uh, our spirit was dead, so we have no option or alternative. We just live in our soul. So we're very used to that kind of lifestyle, right? To think uh, in our mind, to 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 uh, emote the way we we want to emote. Uh, uh, according to our feeling, our, our, our sensation, our, and, and all of this, and to also very used to making our own judgment and decisions on things, whatever I want to do. You, you, don't need to, you don't need to pray about that. You just do it. Am I right? And that is actually a very convincing illustration of how practice does work. It's worked already. It's called living in the soul. Am I right? And various other kind of habits. Uh, surely we didn't have the, you know, uh, the habit of uh, considering the things of God and all this. We were we just, we just ordinary human beings. We just live in ourselves, by ourselves. I'm not making any value judgment. It's just the way it is. Then one day we got saved. We call on the Lord, receive the Lord. And what? Another life came in. Another, a spirit, another spirit start to indwell. Another person actually come in to reside. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And our spirit was giving, our, our our deadened spirit was made alive, quickened, and given birth. We got become a child of God in our spirit. Now is a problem. Now there is a new man in our spirit. Am I right? A new person. A new you in your... It's, that's your mingled spirit. By the way, the mingled spirit is not just a glob, you know, this glob called the mingled spirit, a, a matter, a, 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 an object. No, the mingled spirit actually is two persons. You, your spirit, and Christ, the life-giving spirit, the pneumatic one. And these two got joined. These two got mingled. These two got married. And there is now a new person within us. It's no. It used to be my person is my soul. My soul animates me. My soul makes my decisions. My soul um, 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 calls the shots. My soul feels. My soul, you know, it, that, that's me. That's just me. Now there is a new party. There is a new thing. Not thing. There's a new mingled uh, Spirit within me, and that is the God in me, that is Christ in me, and so there is the new me involved, that is my regenerated spirit. Now, we got a problem, and that is we're so used to living without that. We're so practiced living in our soul. Now there's something new in us. See? Believing in the Lord is not accepting a new religion. Uh, It's not turning over a new leaf. It is actually to be mingled with God. The greatest person in this universe it is to be joined to christ it is to be incorporated with the spirit this is the triune god and now we start the so we call it the christian life just like our original life our natural life that we had when we were born, physically. Now we, were, we are reborn. We have a rebirth. We have a new life ahead of us. With a new person. Even a mingled person within us. Do you not believe, do you not agree with me, that... This needs to be practiced just like your first life needs to be practiced. Yeah? So really speaking, after a person is saved, we say a new life has begun. It's wonderful. But sometimes we forget right after we're given birth, in, with this new life, or in this new life, now we need to build up some new habits that are is, that are in accordance with that new life that we did not have before we had this new life. In fact, actually, part of the practice is to give up some of the practices of the old man who, through baptism, was buried, but in actuality is still with us, in experience still with us. So the whole Christian life is to what? Is to build up through practice a new set of habits, of habit. So that we would be dependent on this new life. We would now be animated by this new life or this mingled spirit. And we would actually be regulated by this new person or new life, this mingled spirit. And we would, I would even say, be ruled, ruled by this mingled spirit within us. And that is not something we ever had done, so it's new to us. New to us. And so, we need to build up a new set of habits as a new man in Christ. You say, oh, this sounds so artificial. I thought I just get saved, I love Jesus, I praise the Lord, then I will spontaneously grow and become a successful Christian and, and 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 this and that. I would like to tell you that doesn't happen. The life, this new life within us is what will eventually renew us, transform us. Am I right? Sanctify us. Make us godlike, To give us, make us, partic- uh, make us possess the divine nature. To make us Christ. To make us live Christ to, as a part of him. Yes, that's true. You cannot make that happen. But all that is now committed to us in the Spirit capital S Indwelling our spirit and mingle with it, now part of the mingle spirit. It's all there. All that we need to live this life, to live this Christ, is all there. But it does not happen magically. I would even say, if you try to understand me, it does not happen quite so spontaneously. You know, it says in Romans 8, the spirit, uh, excuse me, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus frees us from the law of sin and death. The emphasis here is there are two laws going on, right? One is a stronger law. That's the law of the spirit of life. The other is the weaker law, still strong, the law of sin and death. This is operating in our members, in our body. And the law of the spirit of life is a law that operates in the mingled spirit. And that law is, it's called law, therefore it is automatic. It has a certain power, innate ability to do certain things, in this case, to free you to release you from that sinful law. Actually, that law is Satan himself. And this law actually is the triune God himself. It has that power. No problem. That law will work. However, if you do not, listen, if you do not fulfill certain conditions, that law doesn't work as powerful as it is it does not work why because you are not providing the necessary condition for that law to be activated automatically but the conditions have to be right that those conditions you have to provide i have to provide it's actually called our cooperation with the Lord. Now dear brothers and sisters, let me tell you, this is one of the greatest mysteries. That God can do everything, but he cannot do everything. Do 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 you understand what I'm saying? He is all powerful. I mean, he created the heaven and the earth. He cannot save you. Absolutely he can save you to the uttermost. In fact, he promised that. But how come you are not experiencing that salvation day to day? Then you start blaming God, right? God, I wish you are more powerful. He said, I'm more powerful than you think. I made the heaven, the earth, and all the stars. I'm not powerful. I even became a man and accomplished redemption. I'm not. I did everything. I did everything. And I'm now even residing in you so subjectively. It's everything is in place. Everything is installed. Everything is there. But I need someone to pull the switch. Yeah? I need someone to... What? Cooperate. Even just a little bit. Then... All that power, all those riches, all those, you know, freeing power, sanctifying power, transforming power, all these good things will work. Will work. Now, we all know to switch is to turn to the Spirit. right? To call on the name of the Lord. Right? to sing, to praise. We know this. My question is, how much do we practice? If you practice it once every six months, like swimming, once every six months, it's better than nothing. It really is better than nothing. At least you bob around and float around, move a few toes around. At least your blood is circulating a little bit. But sorry, you won't get fit. You won't lose weight. Nothing, nothing. You just have a, a gleeful afternoon uh, in, in, the, in, in the pool, you know. That's about it. Then you, you get up, you go back and gorge and live your life again. And six months later, you go back to the pool. You see my point? I, I'm exaggerating. I, I, I know you get it now. So it is not even that we don't know what to practice. We even know that. But brothers and sisters, we don't practice it enough in a habitual way and in an intentional way. Now I'd like to tell you my story, again, my story these 50 years is not just I'm not saying I'm all successful, but I'm giving you my testimony looking back, is not only I practiced these things as much as I could, but I would like to tell you I tried, I tried to practice it much more than once every six months. In fact, I tried to practice practice it more than once a day. In fact, I try to practice it every moment. Now, I'm not saying I'm that successful, but I'm telling you I try. So it's not just when I come to the meeting, oh, he's so wonderful. Once a few months you do that. That, that doesn't work so well. That, that, that's better than nothing, but that doesn't work so well. What if every day, we practice it when you get up when you're with your wife as brother Lee said she gives you a long face you practice great opportunity or or no long face it doesn't matter long face or no long face you should still practice And you don't wait until some big problem comes into your life. Some tragedy comes. Oh, God's hand is upon me. Uh, He's now finally saying something to me. Uh, I need a change. I I, I need to deny myself. I need to take up the cross. Uh, Once every so often that happens. What about the ordinary days? What about when nothing happens? You don't practice? You see... This is why we don't grow. And this is why, let me say something, our church life is weak. Even perpetually weak. This is why our meeting life is not living and rich and attractive. Because we just come to the meeting to be living, that's too late. If, all the, if not all the saints, if a number of saints would really practice living by and in this mingled spirit in their daily life. I tell you, when you come to the meeting, it does not matter what subject we're in, whether we're singing, whether it's the Lord's table, it's prayer meeting. My spirit is just right there. It is just throughout the day alive. I was walking in the spirit. I was walking by the spirit. I was even putting to death the practices of the body by the Spirit. I was also a son of God led by the Spirit. And the Spirit is constantly witnessing in my spirit that I'm a son of God. So a whole day I just practice by prayer, unceasing prayer, by turning to the Spirit, by conversing with the Lord to practice these things. When the Spirit say no, I learn to say amen. When the spirits say, go there, I learn to go there. Do you follow me? I learn to be ruled by the spirit. I learn to be, be, uh, be uh, um, regulated by the spirit. I learn to listen to the spirit. I like to please the spirit. And I like to learn to follow the anointing. During the day in my job, in my, in, with the children, with, with, with my spouse, you, you just live this way. You just live this way. And of course, we need the Word of God because the Word supplies us, even supplies us. The Word of God gives us light to help us in these things. But in the end, you still need to practice. Actually, pray reading is a practice. Sing, re- sing reading is a practice. So you practice these things, you practice these things, you become practiced. And I'll tell you, the time will come. It does not even take long, you know, especially when you're out of shape. And if you really go at it, it doesn't take long. You're just seeing your, your body go like this, right? Or something like that, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, I have to do some physical therapy for my back and Oh, I hate it. It's just, just <clears throat> but I have to do it. I know I have to do it. And my, the day when when I do this and I don't feel that pain anymore, I said, "Praise the Lord!" Right? And that is after months of doing certain exercises. I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. Am I right? You see. Uh, I know I'm spending too much time. I should be getting into the next message. But brothers and sisters, this is crucial. I like to see the Midwestern churches, all many saints, just really put their mind to this exercise, to this practice. Now, you say it's it's painful. No, it, it's not as painful as you think. Actually, once you become you become practice, it becomes very enjoyable. Well, what do they say? No pain, no gain. <laughs> this is from the Green Bay Packers, right? Dear, dear, dear yeah. brothers and sisters, let us just. Be freed from superstitious thinking about the Christian life. This is the way. God has given everything. Let's give him everything. And in this joint exercise together of God and man, he does his part. We do our part. I tell you, this is what it means in Philippians chapter 2. Work out your own salvation. You have to work it out. Really? Only God saves. Only God. So it says it is God who operates in you, both the willing and the doing. So there you have, number one, an operating God. On this end, you have what? A working out Christian. You put the two together, dear saints, that is how God's economy is accomplished in our lives. You will see your life change. Your Christian life, you will see it change. And you will see your church life changed. Maybe not tomorrow, but in due course. Oh, I I believe this. I have seen this. And you can. You can experience this. All right, I think I almost am done with my time. No time for message four, but you don't need to worry about it. I'm very elastic, it can be long, can be short. How much time do I have? Huh? Well, I wanna make sure you're not bored, okay? I don't care what they say. I just don't want you to be. If you are bored, whatever they say means nothing. Okay. As long as you are with me. All right. Okay. I actually have not finished my sharing there, but, brothers, in 1 Corinthians, there are three types of people. The spiritual man, the soulish man, and the fleshly man even fleshy men. Three kinds. And I can only ask you to go there and read those footnotes. Brother Lee had excellent footnotes to describe the characteristics of each kind. We're all born soulish men. Some of us are even worse. We're just fleshly men. But we got saved. And the goal is that we should become true spiritual man. What is a soulish man? A soulish man is the one who allow their soul to dominate them, to control them their whole lives. They live and move in the realm of the soul. It's called walk in soul. And today a lot of questionings, a lot of this and that, a lot of talk, a lot of these things. i like to tell you, brothers and sisters, most all of them are in the realm of the soul. I don't say it's legitimate or not legitimate. It's true, false. I don't touch those. I just say that it is in the realm of the soul. And if you are buried in that realm, you exist in that realm, you become obsessed by the things in that realm. You are preoccupied by the things in that realm. And then the soul becomes, again, the dominant thing, faculty in your being. You're thinking, you know, you're, you're, you're in your mind, thinking, thinking, thinking. You're in your emotions, emoting, emoting, emoting. You're in your will, judging, deciding, opining. You, you, you just, you, you couldn't get out of it. You're Christian. You're Christian. But your spirit, this mingled spirit is like just pushed aside, almost discarded. It's almost non-existent. Haven't you seen believers like this as if they're unsaved? They're good people still. They don't do crazy things. But there's, you contact them, there's no spirit. There's no life. There, there's nothing there. Rather, they're just questioned in this kind of a debating and, 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 and all these things. The Corinthians were soulish. And so they don't understand, understand the things of the spirit. The spirit of man knows the things of the spirit. They they have the spirit, but they live as if they don't have it. And then, when you dwell in that situation long enough, eventually you will move to the flesh. You keep going downwards. You will spiral downwards. And you would eventually become a fleshly person. A soulish person is a person whose habit is to live in the soul. A fleshly person is the one, sorry, whose habit is to live in the flesh. Now, we may fail. We may sin. Okay? I'm not talking about that. That is not practice. That is a failure that we still need to deal with the Lord about. But we're talking about something that has become habit. You live in the flesh as a habit. Oh, my. Oh, my. I tell you, that is a different Story. Fornication is an act, but a fornicator is someone who lives a life, not just committing an act. I think you know what I'm saying. As an illustration. Now, we need to do the reverse. We need, in God's calling, as his sanctified saints, to live a different life. Not even a good life, you know. Ethical, moral. But something even higher than that, according to God's purpose. And that is to live his life. That is Christ. To live Christ. We're 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 designated for that. So neither is this Christian life a bunch of acts. You know, I perform a Christian act. That is not a life. That is just an act or an activity. We need to become the person, the Christian, the God-man that lives perpetually, constantly in the spirit, in that realm. And when we're in that realm, dear brothers and sisters, oh, all the riches of the triune God will become ours, this inheritance will become our enjoyment just like in the recent training we will really be living in the jubilee the Christian life should be a big jubilee just like the New Testament age but where is that jubilee it is in this mingled spirit shall we do this dear saints right shall we do this to live this way you can brothers and sisters um, so I'm here I get up you know, in the afternoon in the mot- hotel room oh lord right away oh lord Jesus no no big deal I'm not. I'm not in pain. I'm no tragedy. Just struck. You know. Uh, nobody called me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Then, this afternoon as there's a meeting coming up. Lord, what do you want me to say? Lord Jesus, um, I, I I have something. But what do you want to say? I have meetings like this before elsewhere. But today is a different group in the Midwest. Lord, what do you want to say? You you, you see what I'm saying? You know what I'm doing? I'm right now practicing. No big, you know, earth-shattering, thunderbolt, nothing. Just in this very common thing. But let me tell you, to live in this kind of common way takes a lot of practice. To be common. For this to become common... Requires large practice. If we would just do this, dear saints, there will be a change. All right, now, this evening, uh, very quickly, we're actually taking this a step further. And that is, we have this, you don't need to go to the outline, I'm just going to just speak. You can study it later on. It's on being burning in. In spirit, excuse me, to serve the Lord. And fanning into flame the indwelling gift to preach the gospel. Now we're talking about our service, our work. Any life has two sides. One is living, one is working. And you need a a life to back up that kind of work. And the work frequently is just the outlet or the expression or the issue of a certain kind of living. So when the Lord Jesus was on the earth, he lived and he worked. But sometimes when you read the stories, it's blurred. He lived when he worked. He worked when he lived. His work was his living in extension. And His life is the source of all the power of his work. You you just see a person there. Well, in the same way. Today, we are in the church life, living Christ for sure. This is the top thing. But we're also in the church life, serving Christ. In Romans chapter 14, if anyone would serve Christ, in this way in the kingdom way so there is this aspect that brothers and sisters we're all here to serve the Lord to serve the Lord this is a great thing to me I have only one class in that full-time training in Anaheim it's called life of service I don't have any other class just that one class for the last 30 years life of service. I'm so burdened for these young people's serving life. Now, we all should serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can never forget that declaration by joshua you know i just quoted joshua the last chapter you know why because my grandmother my grandmother i'm a generation skipping church kid okay so i didn't get this from my parents i got it from my grandmother so unlike timothy it started with lois and then what Um, eunice and then so this faith got transmitted you know, through every generation. I got a generation-skipping experience. So my grandmother was the one that prayed for me and caused me to be saved and even to cause me to love the Lord. He prayed, the Lord only knows how much we pray for me and my cousins and so on. But today I still have in my library. Something that belongs to her. Just a little old thing with Chinese words on it. On a, on a piece of felt. You know, are these Chinese words. With this verse. With this verse. I mean, Joshua. He would gather us together because he was the matriarch. You know, when he at his birthday, everybody has to come. You better come. And he always would ask some brother in the church, oftentimes an elder, to speak to the whole clan, my cousins, uncles, aunts, whatever. He was in the church in Hong Kong, and she has actually seen Watchman Knee. She was in that revival in 1950-51 in Hong Kong when Brother Nee and Brother Lee were together for just a short time. After which, Brother Nee went back to China and was never to be seen until he was in prison a few years later. So then comes the time always she would offer a prayer. For the family. And I'll tell you, almost without fail, she would quote that verse in Joshua. As for me and my house, that's her house, that's us. We will serve Jehovah. I tell you, if I forget everything, I could not forget that prayer. How old was I? 11 years old. 12 years old, whatever. He was, I was a youngster. Something got planted into me from early on about not just being saved, but to serve. You go and read Brother Nee, Watchman Nee's biography by Brother Lee, the seer of the Divine Revelation. There's a chapter on Watchman Nee's salvation experience how that one night he said he was not only saved to be saved he was saved to serve. It was almost like a double salvation. And that is a standard thing for every believer actually. It should be that way. We're not saved to go to heaven. We're saved to serve our living God. Standing here tonight, I'd like to tell you a lot is still because of her prayer. Not only causing me to be saved, but causing me to serve. So, we all in the recovery should serve the Lord. Now, I just skip over to Roman number 2. When it come to serve, there are, are these two verses tonight. I'll just, just talk about two verses. That's all. Uh, actually, in Romans 2 and 3 are these two verses. The first one is Romans twelve 11. Don't be slothful in zeal, but be burning in spirit, serving the Lord. Well, You don't need to read the outline. I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to speak. Here, when you come to Romans 12, a key chapter, it talks about the body life. And in that body life, it is what? Filled with the exercise and exhibition of gifts that the head has given to each member. According to the measure of faith, they are given grace, the gift. And every saint, every believer, every member of the Lord is given a gift. You have to believe that. You have to believe that. That gift has something to do with your natural makeup. The way that God created you. But it's not only that. Not only that, God has, when God comes into you, he brings with him something as a gift, as a divine gift. And so that that gift is actually in that spirit that is now joined to your spirit. Grace is in the mingled spirit, am I right? And this gift of grace is also in that mingled spirit and this gift was apportioned to each one of us differently. Don't try to copy another. Don't try to imitate the other. Don't try to be jealous of the other. You just be happy with what the Lord has given to you. Your responsibility and mine is to exercise that gift to build up the body of Christ to build up the church. Now in that chapter 12 three things are particularly mentioned that relates to our tripartite being as it relates to our service number one we need a presented body if your body is not presented forget it you know you know you say i'm with you in the spirit you never show up that, that that's a little too spiritual okay that that doesn't work. The first thing is the presentation of your body. And your body means your time. It means your energy. You need a practical presentation to the Lord as one living sacrifice to serve the Lord. That is the first thing. That is the first thing. The second thing is you need a renewed mind. Don't think we need, don't need our mind. To serve the Lord, we need our mind very much so, but not the old, unrenewed mind, but a transformed mind. Not a mind to offer opinions and 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 and, uh, and, and this kind of thing, but a transform and renew mind. That is clear. That is discerning. That is understanding of the will of God. A proper mind. But there's a third thing in verse 11, chapter 12, and this is our burden here, and that is, don't be slothful in zeal. This is the contrast. Slothful. You you have a presented body, you have a renewed mind, but you are slothful. You know, slothful actually an easy word, not a good word. It just simply means lazy. Yeah, yeah, just lazy. Don't be lazy in zeal. You know what zeal is. Zeal is a kind of fervor, am I right? You, 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 when you do something, you know who has the fervor. You know, he's in the front. He, he's pushing it. He, he's passionate, you know, we use the word today. He, he, he just he just he just zealous he's a zealot you know um, it says don't be slothful in zeal now certain zeal are natural okay that needs to be touched by the cross but actually in the present day church life I'm not that worrisome about natural zeal. I'm very worried about no zeal, period. That's a lot worse. You know, young bird come up with natural zeal. I said, give him to me. Come on, give him to me. I'll work with him. I'll work with him. But at least he has zeal. You know, it's like the Ferrari. Okay, back to the Ferrari. He's coming up, room, room. You know, this this 18-year-old kid. I say, give him to me. I prefer that Ferrari than a Ferrari with no air in the wheels, no gas in the tank. It's beautiful to look at because it's been around for 40 years. You, I cannot do anything with it. This one, at least, it's room, room. You know. I just need to get in there, sit on his side, and, you know, slow down, whatever, Uh, switch gear, whatever. You know, at least I can correct and, and, and so on. But this one, with nothing, I couldn't even do anything with it. I couldn't even push it. I tell you, the Lord's recovery in this country has suffered, even now, from a lack of zeal. I wouldn't say no zeal. That is unfair to say we have no zeal. Un- really unfair to say. Uh, we won't be sitting here on this Labor Day weekend. We have no zeal. But my dear brothers and sisters, we must consider whether we have become slothful in this zeal. We have become easygoing. We have become a bit lazy with the zeal. And without this zeal, I tell you, service doesn't work. You you may think service depends on life. Well, I agree with you, because service is the ministry of life. But I tell you, service needs, effective service needs zeal. I'm always looking for zealous saints. Then, Paul gave the contrast, but be burning in spirit. He didn't say living. He said burning. In flying, what implying temperature. And then it implies even fire. In, in, in par, it implies not not a not a, uh, not a uh, pilot light you know in your in your oven but but burning means what call 911 you know when something is really burning i don't know when the last time we have to call 911 in our church life it's been a long time you know in those days in elden every meeting we have to call 911 <laughs> it is crazy it is it's pretty wild, and uh, 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 I'll give it kind of natural too. But I tell you, Brother Lee was excited. You know, actually, some older saints, Brother Lee, correct them. They're too much. Too, they're too much. Oh, one time we got so crazy, we all stand on the chairs. We stood on the chairs. And those are not these chairs. Those are the rickety old metal chairs of the 1950s and 60s. You got a 200-pounder there, you just go right through. We, we, were, we were like this. And, and some of you don't remember that the most scary thing. I, I almost called 911. What happened? We were in LA Convention Center in 1973 in that Crazy Lovers of Jesus Conference, that some of you have heard about, and we were jumping, we were, in, eventually we jump in a rhythm. I tell you, I am, I am an architect, I study structure. When your rhythm begin to hit a certain wavelength that matches the structure, this thing goes like this. And we were in a, in a, in a convention hall where we have far, the columns set far apart, Basically, a concrete plate kind of a, um, a floor, and my goodness, after even we stopped, the whole floor is just still going like this, like in an earthquake. I almost dash out to call 911, or at least dash out and not come back.) <laughs> we were too much. all right. We, we were really too much. But my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to apologize for the zeal. It needs to be corrected. It needs to go through death and resurrection. It needs the cross. But it's better than no zeal. No feeling. No interest. Indifference. Lukewarm. That's the curse of Laodicea. You got everything. You think you're rich. You're clothed. but you're naked. Repent and do the first works and become hot because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. That, that, that hot there actually actually means boiling in Greek. Boiling hot. Not even 120 degrees. It's like my little heater, those, those Japanese hot water heater. It's 208 degrees. That means constant boiling. You know, when I drink tea, I, I cannot drink lukewarm tea. I spit it out. You better give me iced tea. That's okay. I drink iced tea. But please, no lukewarm tea. If you give me hot tea, give me 208 degrees. That's the way to drink tea. I think I'm kind of like the Lord. He said, I wish you're hot or you're cold. But because you're lukewarm, I'm spitting you out. I think that's the Lord, right? Dear brothers and sisters, we need a hot church life. Not even hot burning church life. Not even that. Boiling church life. Serving the Lord. The Lord is almost like saying, if you don't care, you're indifferent, you look warm, what are you doing here? Go home. Just go home. It's okay. Just go home. You don't need to come. But if you come to serve me, come burning. Come hot. I need people who are zealous. You know those people who return to Jerusalem, they are a bunch of zealots. You know, there's these Jews, they're not just Jews, they are Jewish zealots, the Zionists. These are crazy people. They don't take no for an answer. Brothers and sisters, if we really want to serve the Lord, one area of our service is is in the meetings. The meetings, I tell you, I just have been seeing way too many meetings that are lukewarm. I wish it's cold, but it's not, it's lukewarm. It's like a dead body that is not entirely what, uh, that, that is the, the word that, uh, yeah, it has not happened yet. It's still warm, but it's dead. You feel it. it's kind of warm, but it's really dead. You're saying, we cannot do that. I like to see even a small church of 15 people, 15 people, but hot, hot. Every saint is alive and, and burning. Serving the spirits is just, just, just full of vigor and rigor uh, in the prayer, in the singing, in in their in their uh, speaking. It is just like this, exhibiting their gifts. Oh, brothers and sisters, th- th- this is what we're missing. This is what we're missing today in our church life. Not only in our daily life, we are short, but in our serving life. We are somewhat lazy or slothful. But, dear saints, it doesn't have to be that way. And especially if we live our daily life in that way, when we come to the meeting, oh, brothers and sisters, you are burning in the spirit. I'm fervent in the spirit. The Lord is in us on fire. I tell you, it does not take a minute. This meeting will go like a rocket. I told in the training, you know, always my team, UCI team, I say, always the first meeting. This is going to be a praying team, okay? You're going to be a praying team. You don't do other things well, you do one thing well, you pray. This in the training. Then I tell them how to pray. I said, pray rocket prayers. Rocket, rocket, rocket prayers. Don't 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 get into DC three, okay? DC three takes forever. It's still kind of like this. Pray the rocket prayer. That means instantly in spirit, instantly you reach Mac five. You know what I'm saying? Instantly you break through the the the, the sound barrier. Uh, uh, they are looking at me like, what are you talking about? Are you really? I said. You just do it. So I have them practice. Start. I push the button. Start. Go. Uh, they don't know what to do. Brothers and sisters, if you are already turned on and exercise in the day, when you come to the meeting, you need. You don't need to rev up. You know, with smoke coming out and. You don't need to do that. That's a lot of our meetings, a lot of smoke. And then after a while, it stopped. And you could crank again, you know. And the second brother started cranking, you know. And a couple of people choked and, and, and say a few things. And then it died out again. And then it's this terrible silence. And then, uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about, Saints. No need for that. It's unnecessary. If we're already living, walking in the Spirit, we come to the meeting, we just, we just, we're just, just taking off. I mean, you're in Wisconsin, right? In Madison, how many saints you have there? 40 saints. Oh my goodness, that is a rocket. All right? 40, 50 saints. Even if not everyone is like this. Even if twenty-five is like this, uh, 20 is like this, 10 saints who are like this, goodness, they will lift the whole meeting off. They will start to warm up the others, burn the others, give life to the others. By the way, fire in the Bible, on the one hand, God is a consuming fire to judge, to burn. On the other hand, fire in the Bible also refers to life. Intense life, energy that caused things to happen. Seven spirits of burning what? Seven spirits, seven lambs of what? Burning fire sent forth to the whole earth for God's operation and move. So, dear saints, the way, again, to have a burning spirit to serve the Lord It's the same thing. Build up the habit of exercising your spirit. Don't you come to the meeting and sit there and be silent. That is very, very unfair to God and to the body, to the saints. We all come to exercise our spirit. I tell you, God's will is proved the church life. All right. And here, Brother Lee said, finally, the unique way to have this burning spirit is still to contact the Lord. No other way. So spend more time during the day, contact the Lord. Contact the Lord, singing, praying. Uh, what else? Praising. Um, oh, I just don't know. All manners of exercise. Of the spirit. Until you're burning. That's the way we will have our church life. Okay, finally, finally. The second uh, two verses, Second Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Paul says to Timothy, For th- which cause I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power and of love and of a sober-mindedness. Um, did I tell you, in the past meetings here, like last year, did I tell you the sto- my story of how Brother Lee and Abraham Chen trained me? Did I tell you that story? Huh? Last year. Well, a lot, of, huh? Oh, elders training. Okay, sorry, just the brothers or some of the brothers. So let me tell you, okay, here's my story. It has to do with Brother Witness Lee and another dear brother, his coworker, called Abraham Chang. Abraham Chang was a general in the army. Okay, just to give you a clue. So by God's sovereignty, somehow. I got put under both of them. Brother Lee is not a general in some army, but if you know him, he's more than a general. OK? In Elden Hall, a young brother didn't know what he was doing. He was really old, he's really too much. He called Brother Lee his teddy bear he go and hug Brother Lee, teddy bear, you know. It's too much. And when you look at Brother Lee, you know, in the meeting, he, he's really teddy bear. He's really this kind, gentle old man, right? He, he was. He really was. That's not the Brother Lee who trained me, okay? There's no teddy bear there. No, no teddy bear no no blanket you know no nothing this is why i love this verse because i found out this is after i came out to serve the lord that i was a timothy now they didn't say that to me but by what they did to me they were exactly saying you're a timothy what is timothy Okay, here it is. God has not given you a spirit of cowardice. I'll tell you, by my nature, I'm a coward. I'm Chinese, that means I'm conservative. I'm introvert by birth. Am my coward? And just my makeup. So, even though I try to exercise this, I have a nature that way. So, now it comes to serving. This is not just living. Now I'm called to serve. This is the context. Serving the Lord. To be this junior, very junior co-worker serving under these two senior co-workers. I tell you, They don't play games with me, okay? You're hired, quote, unquote, you're working. They just start training me on the job. And my story to the brothers, we were in Seattle, Abraham Chang and I. Abraham spoke only Chinese, so I was his interpreter in English because we have non-Chinese saints. This is with the Chinese-speaking work in the 80s, early 80s. So I was translating. So he was speaking. I was translating like, like, like this. Then suddenly he stopped. You know, he stopped. Mm-hmm. I said, what's going on here? He turned to me in front of people like this and slapped me in the back. A general, right? Brother, exercise your spirit. Then he continued to speak. I tell you, after that, I was a different translator. <laughs> I didn't even know. I have sort of drifted into my, my manners, my, my natural manners. It's not bad or good but it's not good enough for him. He was so burdened that what he spoke would be adequately translated with the same fervor and the same burden to the non-Chinese-speaking saints. That was his burden, very important. And I was just lagging and not matching him, maybe not in the translation itself, but surely in the strength of the spirit and the intensity of the burden. So so bothering him that he has to publicly slap me on the back and publicly say, "Release your spirit." It is humiliating. You you, you don't know how humiliating that was. And I almost want to just quit, just, just 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 turn in my resignation papers. But I cannot do that. I was a learner. Just to give you how I was trained. And that was not the only time. The other times, I'm just scared to death of him. <laughs> he stands, when he stands, he stands like this when he speaks. Like, like a commander. He, 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 that's how he speaks. And a lot of times when he speaks, there's no smile on his face. It's very stern. You remember Abraham Chan? It's very stern, very intense, very, very, you know, with the burden of the Lord. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. <clears throat> and then Brother Lee, Brother Lee, I tell you, one year after I started to serve, Brother Lee turned this, his pulpit to me, Literally. The pulpit Sunday morning. In those days, it's still Sunday morning, one man speaking. He was the one man. Then, within a year, he left and went to Taiwan. This is in the 80s. He went to Taiwan for five years. And when he left, he said, your turn. I was this wet-behind-the-ear kid. Forgot all my Chinese by that time. This is speaking to Chinese. I have to dust off my old little Chinese Bible because I never used it anymore. I was totally in the American culture and everything. And that was it. It's called baptism by fire, right? <laughs> mm, like this. And I have to, every Saturday was the most suffering day for me because the next morning I have to go to Anaheim to speak to several hundred brothers and sisters, many of, some of whom have heard watchman he spoke. Many of them have been under Brother Lee for a long time. I felt they all have a scorecard. <laughs> They're all the age, many age of my father and, and senior. And here this little kid is not going to give their message in place of Witness Lee. What is going on here, you know? Then Brother Lee comes back he would come back from time to time when he comes back i say praise the lord so that morning i came i said this brother leaves back this is his pulpit he came to the meeting on time before time to the prayer with some brothers and say you speak now It's one thing to speak to these saints. It's another thing to speak to Witness Lee. He's going to be in the meeting. Sitting right there where Simon is. Not only so. In the pre-meeting time. Some brothers came together. Brother Lee prayed. And he prayed. I still remember it. The strongest prayer for me. Now, if you don't understand what pressure is, that's pressure. Lord, release our brother Minoru Chen. Release his spirit as if I don't release my spirit. (laughs) He was going on and on. Every additional sentence at Another thousand pounds, you know. By the time he finished the prayer, I forgot what I was going to speak. I mean, what? how am I going to match that prayer? I, I'm going to have to answer that prayer, you know. If God doesn't come through, I need to answer that prayer. Well, I, I, I won't tell you what, all the things that happened. Dear brothers and sisters, I thank the Lord for those experiences. On the one hand, Brother Lee, these brothers, they're men of life, burdened for us to live Christ, of course. But on the other hand, they're burdened for my service and our service. And they won't let me go. If you're a co-worker, you learn. You have to exercise your spirit and be burning and and all the rest. And then, these years, these last 30-some years, in the service of the Lord, I cannot forget my two brothers, my two senior brothers. I cannot forget them. And the help that they rendered to me. And, among other things I learned from them, this is something I learned from them. When it comes to touching the Lord's service, don't be lazy. Don't be indifferent. Don't be lukewarm. Don't play around. That's how I learned. To this day, I'm still thinking of them. I still, I wouldn't say I'm living to them, but I would like to say I I tell myself I, I must be a worthy disciple of these two brothers, two senior brothers. They're dead. But I'm still their They're their, their co-worker. And I have an obligation to continue what they have taught me. To live out, to serve the way they had trained me, so this is the case with, with with Timothy, so Timothy was a bit of a coward, so Paul and at that time, by the way, in Second Timothy, everything was bad. The whole of Asia left Paul. Demas left him because he loved the world, a close coworker. All kinds of things were happening. the church was in decline it 's a very disappointing situation there in where Timothy was, so Paul knew that. And from the prison he wrote, God did not give you a spirit of cowardice, but of power, of love, and sober-mindedness. That means this is a spirit of the soul, of his mind. The power refers to the will, love refers to the emotion, sober-mindedness refers to the mind. That means it is a spirit that has so strong that has saturated your soul. And this spirit is not one that is chicken. You don't have a chicken spirit, a coward spirit. Instead, and I'm going to end here, brothers and sisters, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to see the Lord soon. Martyrdom is in front of me. He said this at the end of that of 2 Timothy. But in the beginning of Timothy, let me remind you Timothy, even after I'm gone, fan into flame the gift of God. What is that gift? I can, we cannot say that that gift is our human spirit. There's a distinction. That gift is a gift from God, from the head to us. But it is something that is what Something that is in our mingled spirit. There's a gift that has, God has given to you, Timothy, in your spirit. Now what you have to do, you are responsible to not let this gift die and become useless, idle, and ineffective. You have a responsibility to fan this gift into flame. Now talk about an active cooperation you got to fan you know you know when you start a fire the main thing it needs is oxygen the more ox- you, you, you just the more oxygen there is the quicker and the bigger the fire would become so there is a flame in you there is a fire in you now your job is to not let it die but just stir it up Fan it into flame. Fan it into a bonfire. Burn down the house. That gift of God that is in you. That spirit that is in you. That came from the laying on of my hands. Dear saints, it is not good enough just to have the gift dormant in you. Because it is not useful. And we all have a gift in our spirit. It is our job, our obligation and responsibility to fan it, to stir it up, to use it, to exercise it. I tell you, the more you exercise, the more you use it, the more effective it becomes, the more it will be manifested even to others. And so, I just stop here. And sisters, I think this is good enough. In every church, there should be a good number of individual saints who would have this kind of view, this kind of a heart. They are just unquenchable. You cannot stop them. And sisters, you don't need to be elders or elders or whatever it is. Just a saint. We should all. Fan this gift into flame. And serve the Lord. Satan's work is to kill this flame. Is to wipe out this flame. Is to just blow it. Blow on it. Our job is the opposite. Is to fan it. Fan it. Fan it. Let that also become our habit. And let that also become our custom in the church life. Then the Lord can do something new among us. Amen? Amen. Taking too much time. You have to come. Uh, Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. You got this sheet? This is my baby, okay? My little baby. I... Made it, firstly, for myself. Then I start to give it to the full-time trainees in the full-time training. It is called My Spirit with an Exclamation Point. All the verses that I can find that pertains to the human spirit is here. I challenge these full-timers to take one verse a day. One verse a day. And pray read it. And you can do the same too. So... I just leave that with you. Precious, precious verses on our human spirit. Amen. Amen.